Hello, my name is Cecilia from the Enwada team, and you are listening to the Enwada podcast. We conduct due diligence and monitoring of working conditions using worker engagement technologies. And on the second season of this short podcast, we hope to continue bringing you the most relevant insights concerning responsible sourcing and some of the leading voices in ethical supply chains. Thank you for joining us today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Unwida podcast. Today, I'm virtually sitting with Jessica Abel, VP of Content and Analytics from CRE, and our very own Lee Esterhazen, Unwida CEO and founder. So CRE is a global corporate data provider and commercial intelligence platform. They collect, extract, and analyze high-value data for customers, counterparties, and competitors. And today, we'll talk more specifically about their platform, how they support due diligence, and how their offering can complement other actors in this space. Jessica and Lee, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. And me, again. <laughs> sure, always a pleasure, Lee, always a pleasure. Um, let's start with what uh, needs CRE meets, Jess. Um, broadly speaking, how do you at CRE support companies who want to verify their partners and suppliers um, that, the, that they work with along the supply chains? So broadly speaking, we provide access to global company information so that our clients can have a complete picture of their suppliers and their partners and who they're doing business with in general. Basically, what we do is collect and resolve public data from all around the world. And this would include you know, the company information that you would need to verify disclosures, but also including information on key personnel and corporate hierarchies, subsidiaries, related parties, that sort of relational information that fills out the corporate map. Um, we have all of this data accessible through a platform that we've built called Sayari Graph. It's, it's really a map of the corporate world, and we designed it specifically to allow our clients to conduct due diligence more effectively and quickly and, and with much less expense than you know, is usually associated with those processes. It's really kind of amazing um, what, you can, what you can do with all of that, being this information that exists publicly, although people may not know it, that it's there, or if they know that it's there, they don't know how to access it, or they can't access it the way that they need to, and we make it accessible um, to our clients. Fantastic. And I'd love to, to add the kind of response I've seen from our clients um, and contacts to the CRA system. What's been interesting is as, as the legal landscape is changing, um, not only in Europe, um, but also in the US, um, clients or companies across the board, sourcing companies, are having to consider new, more efficient ways of gathering intel about their suppliers and to inform procurement decisions and to inform, you know, fairly old school supplier assessment with more granular, more reliable information. And what we always assume in responsible sourcing is that information, you know, either comes from a social audit or it comes directly from the site, you know, through systems like our own, through worker engagement via mobile, but that's not the case. There's also a magnificent universe of public data. And what CRE does is it, it navigates all of that, you know, big kind of soup of data for you and gives you, delivers, you know, very digestible, digestible information, specifically on the supplier level about the entities you're doing business with. But simply because you need as much contextual information as possible to take responsible next steps. And we've seen that both in clients who wish Sayari to help them to know where further due diligence is needed. So in other words, to kind of help with prioritizing, 
when it comes to due diligence and human rights um, along their supply chain, but also with companies who want to already know that there's a particular kind of supplier category in their supply chain that's tricky and need a system to, to kind of efficiently manage risk, you know, better measure risk. And, and risk analytics companies, et cetera, where we, you know, the, the, the usual source of public, public kind of risk, you know, intel, they give very broad brushstroke, very rudimentary pictures. What Sayari gives is literally, you know, information directly related to that particular business entity. Lee, it's, it's interesting that you touch on this question of the type of public data that is most useful or can be most useful because that's a really important issue for, for a lot of people. And it's something that we spend a lot of time thinking about. You know, the, the types of data that we focus on at Sayari are official public records. So things that have been gathered and published by some kind of a government authority, usually a registry at a federal or local level, they do have very usually very granular, very detailed information down to the company or the supplier level, down to the individual level in a, in a lot of times. And it gives you information on relationships. It gives you the identifying information that you need to know that, yes, this is the company I'm looking for. This is the factor in their name. Um, so we're talking about things like company formation and change notices, litigation filings, IP applications, um, you know, commercial and foreign trade activity, and many other types of public records. But what we're not talking about is social media or local news or um, self-disclosed information published on a company website. All of that can be extremely valuable for due diligence and for understanding what your, your sort of supplier landscape looks like in the right setting. But we really want to focus on harnessing those government disclosed public records because this, this type of due diligence activity and really understanding who you're in business with is, we would argue, is best done with official data derived from authoritative sources as much as you can um, and supplemented by self-disclosed information and other information that may be less reliable or may um, be sort of high context to understand what you're looking for. I love this focus on the on the type of data CRA gathers. Um, like you just said, just using authoritative sources of information that's already available, um, and it kind of links to into something that we we, we kind of briefly uh, talked about about like de- demystifying public data um, because that data is already there and readily available. But you guys just essentially looking at the relationships um, within the the companies and 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 other data that can be very granular, but help for that triangulation for our responsible sourcing clients who are already getting maybe data from social audits um, and data channels like ours. So maybe let's dive deeper then into the detail of um, what a a CRA user actually gets um, once they say, okay, fine, we're we're using this platform. Um, You mentioned a platform with kind of like a a graph. Yes. So for us, it really comes down to the data. Um, And then we have designed a platform that sits on top of that data. We have some clients who access our data directly and bring that into their own system. Um, to incorporate this type of information into their processes in sort of an organic and sustainable way. And then we have other clients who use our interface to explore the data the way that we have it set up. But essentially, our clients have access to structured company information right now on more than 400 million companies and 450 million of their key personnel across the world. So that's covering nearly we're almost at the 200 country mark. So it's most of the world and most of the places that you would be concerned about Um, getting better visibility uh, into your partners and suppliers. That represents 
over a billion, it's about 1.3 billion corporate disclosure documents that we have brought into this database and made them searchable and accessible. Like you were saying before, the data we're using is public. It's not proprietary data. It's data that's been published by some other authority um, in, in a local jurisdiction and can almost always be accessed directly from that authority. But just because it is public doesn't mean that it is easy to find or easy to use. There are issues that would prevent it from having any practical applications for someone concerned about getting visibility into these areas or into their supply chains. Uh, there are at the most basic level, there are language barriers. You know, there are barriers to searching. You, you may only be able to query the data natively in a particular way and not be able to explore it. You know, you may be interested in looking uh, sort of across industries and commodities and searching the data that way versus looking at a particular company or vice versa. So we take all of that data and make it fully searchable in our system. And it provides, as Lee was saying, very, very high level information. If you're, if you're querying the data in that way to get a sense of entire industries or entire regions, but also very granular data. And that's the place where we see the most utility in a sort of a due diligence workflow or for people who are concerned about responsible sourcing and are looking at their supply chains, we would have very expansive coverage of company and factory ownership across the world and, and how that fits into the broader picture. Within that, we have um, every piece of information that we would provide, and, and it's really important to note this, is linked back to the original source document. And it's one of the big challenges that we find with other vendors of you know what would commonly be called risk data or certainly corporate information you kind of have to take their word for it that what you're seeing is current and is correct but we make sure that all of our data is time stamped and is linked clients will use our platform for discovery they will do their initial searching workflows their their sort of risk assessment stuff using our platform because it's faster and easier and more efficient and more searchable. And then if they need to go directly into the registry to get a certified copy, for example, if there's some sort of a, an action they need to take that requires a, a certified copy of a document, um, they know exactly how to do that and where to do that. They can essentially triage that process um, using our, our data set. So there are a lot of different ways to apply that. The graph that you mentioned is, is sort of the networked picture of the data. So we have all of these documents that are fully searchable but we have also gone through, as I said, and extracted the names of companies and individuals from those documents and stored them in a networked form so that you have a map, you have a, a, a big graph of the corporate world that crosses jurisdictions um, and allows you to explore the data that way through network visual visualizations, which we've found to be particularly useful if you're dealing with any sort of complex or cross-border corporate structures, which you know is, is so common these days. Um, it's interesting. So I didn't know zoom out as well as zoom in um, level of data because I because of the way in which we partner and work together on due diligence processes, um, it's always the kind of granular level, granular or business entity level information that we that we work with, or at least our clients do. But you also issue risk analytics or kind of risk um, information on a kind of aggregated level. Well, it's it's less something that we that we would provide an assessment on that level and more that we have set up the data in such a way that you can um, you can follow a very granular oriented workflow where you really are looking for a particular person in a particular company, or you can query that data in such a way that you can gain insights at a higher level as to what's happening in an industry or in a geography um, and sort of cross-reference those things in, in that 
that way are concerned with the granular type workflows that rather than more of a high level exploratory workflow, you know, they're, re they're really looking for particular insights because that's where the gap is right now. I mean, that, that's what you can't find somewhere else. And Jess, what's the process there? I mean, I, when you think about the, 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 the time needed to gather all this data to, to evaluate which are good sources of public data and which are less reliable, to, to kind of buy, buy those kind of databases in a format that you can easily work with. Shame, without, without pressuring you to give away any IP, what is, what is, the, what is the kind of effort and, and back office process look like? Oh, it's a good question. It's really a team effort because as we pointed out, there are a lot of moving parts to get to this end state that require a lot of different types of expertise. So in-house, we, uh, we have teams of engineers and data scientists who really focus on the data itself. And they're the ones who are responsible for accessing that data, for bringing it into our system, for doing the processing required to make it searchable, for building the functionality for translation and transliteration and have teams of analysts who do not have an engineering or a data science background, but do have regional expertise. They have language skills. They have data knowledge. They know how to do research in the area. They're the ones who are going to be able to say, this is the type of data set that you want to get from this particular country, or this data isn't available at the federal level in this country, but it is available at the provincial or the local level. And so we can provide that insight to our clients by going sort of in a through a side door, so to speak, right? By supplementing with additional data sets. That sort of information is really hard to get just by Googling around and you know, trying to find a list of registries. So we bring, um, we bring analysts on board to support there. They're also the ones who help with interpretation. And a lot of what we do as a company is not just providing data. I mean, that's, that's a big challenge. That's one challenge, but making sure that we provide the data in a way that is actually helpful to our clients. You know, if you are looking at some uh, corporate document from Mexico, you may or may not understand what you're looking at, even if you create the different types of relationships they're talking about or the different types of ID numbers and what this means and how to use it. So we spend a lot of time trying to bake that analytic expertise into the platform to make it more accessible and then to supplement with training and with other resources um, to allow this type of data to be sort of maximally effective. When it comes to the sectors, when you look over the horizon and you think, you know, which the sectors, um, perhaps such as ag, um, ag, agriculture and agricultural sites and businesses, which are the sectors where currently you, you, you might want to further kind of build, which are priorities in terms of building, you know, further data volume and data quality in the future? We usually think about it in terms of geographies rather than sectors. Not because the sectors aren't relevant, they're hugely relevant, particularly to our client use cases, but because the way the data is structured is usually based on where it is located and not the sector that it covers, um, which creates some interesting challenges. You know, when you have really important sectors that are in a geography where data is scarce. So, you know, for us, we are we are always continuing to look for for new places to source that data um, without compromising on the quality of data always is the challenge. You know, make sure that the data that we continue to bring in is reliable. Um, we are uh, in sort of in the coming soon territory. We're looking to license some very large data sets. You know, up to this point, 
the vast majority of what we've brought in, we have not had to purchase because it is publicly available. It's publicly disclosed, but there are certain um, jurisdictions that have paywalls on certain types of public data um, that you can't bring in bulk unless you have a licensing agreement. And so it's for the last stage for us here is um, jurisdictions that we have not brought in because of paywalls, which is really exciting because that will close a few of the, the kind of remaining gaps. But I think for us right now, there's pretty there's honestly pretty comprehensive coverage. It's it's unusual to hit something that uh, that you cannot find information on, even a uh, a place like the UAE or traditional secrecy jurisdictions where you may have an issue with data just isn't disclosed. They don't require data disclosures, let alone um, publishing that data, right? So if the data doesn't exist, there's not much we can do about it. But even there, um, there are workarounds when you bring a lot of data sets from different parts of the world into a single platform, you can start to find um, a company in a place that traditionally isn't very transparent if there's additional information from another jurisdiction. So you start to see some of some of those more complex um, answers come into play. And WIDA conducts due diligence and monitoring of working conditions using worker engagement technologies. We have new products and functionalities for simple and effective worker engagement, including multiple technology channels to survey workers, diverse standard surveys to measure better practices, and offer more detailed insights on particular issues facing workers. Soon, we will also be releasing our worker engagement benchmarks to better identify the biggest challenges regarding working conditions in various sourcing regions and sectors around the world. If you'd like to know how we use simple, smart mobile tech and support to gather anonymous insight from workers, get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at info at um, just, just a few more questions from my side. Um, one just being um, the bigger picture that you guys want to contribute to um, when it comes to yeah, building together with your clients and your users. Um, what's, what's like the big vision here? That's a great question. You know, we're constantly amazed at just how powerful public data is and how uh, how it's really not utilized to its full potential right now by the majority of organizations, either in the private or the public sectors across the board. And there are very good reasons for this. I mean, there's been an incredible proliferation of public data in recent years to do with sort of the digital revolution. There's, there's just data now that didn't exist five years ago or 10 years ago, and it can be difficult to keep up with that and what it has to offer. Um, hand in hand with people just not being aware of that the data even exists is this challenge of not knowing what to do with it when they do know that it exists or feeling that that public data is something that is not accessible to them or not usable to them in in any kind of a way that is cost effective and sort of would fit in with their existing processes and would actually become part of the way they do um, sink a lot of money and time into periodically and usually reactively. So we're really looking to, to educate people about what public data can do and how it can help you get insight into the people that you're doing business with in, in a way that's replicable and sustainable and makes a lot of sense for your business. I think this is, if we zoom out even farther, this is part of the broader conversation about global corporate transparency that has been going on for a long time, but I, I think we're encouraged to see increasing attention to in recent years and how you can um, leverage that transparency both to support businesses, to support business efforts, to allow people to do business in 
what would traditionally be considered a high risk part of the world where they might not have been able to do business before, you know, to do that confidently, but also to combat some of the, um, some of to combat in, in, in business and, and to try to crack down on financial crime, to try to contribute to responsible sourcing efforts, to deal with issues of forced labor in supply chains and, and so on. Um, and all of this is really furthered by better visibility into who you're doing business with. So then uh, speaking of those uh, responsible sourcing efforts, um, how would, um, or rather, where would a SARI system add value to the type of due diligence required um, under the new due diligence laws that we're seeing um, all across Europe? So this is, we've been really interested to sort of watch the, the discussion around these new laws, as I know you have been as well, as I know a lot of people have been. Um, and there are a lot of different angles on that. but from from our perspective, we see uh, new laws, new due diligence laws coming in like this. Um, and we're looking at a world in which an increasing number of companies are required to conduct regular, you know, maybe annual risk assessments on at least on their direct suppliers and ideally on their indirect suppliers and really looking at their supply chains, um, depending on the circumstance. We have companies who have not done this before who are going to need to do this. We also have companies who have approached uh, these questions of due diligence as um, something that's been very costly or something that they need to do when there's some indication that there's a problem. And all of a sudden, this needs to be part of their regular process. It needs to be part of their regular business in order to you know, comply with this law. So we would look at, at something like what we do, uh, a, a public records exploration tool as a really good way to set up a risk assessment, sort of a tiered approach to due diligence on your suppliers. There are a lot of ways that you can, just looking at public data that you can identify red flags um, in your, in the, let's say just in your direct suppliers, you know, things that you would wanna look into further. And you can do that very quickly. You can do it without sending someone there, without conducting interviews. You can, it's very replicable. Um, and it's very cost effective. So it allows you, and then let's say you, you know, you see some red flags in an early risk assessment process, and then you can put your resources there into looking into those more deeply. And then maybe you do send someone on the ground, and then maybe you partner with someone like Ann Wider, you sort of go into a more in-depth um, assessment of that risk. That's, that's one of the ways that that we see this opening up. In other words, helping people think about how they are going to do due diligence more regularly and more effectively using the resources that they have. Um, and obviously this is particularly true for smaller companies that have fewer resources or haven't thought about this issue before, or even larger companies who just need to think about approaching it differently. I would love to add um, the uh, kind of a comment about kind of the, the kind of risk, um, risk management funnel and the way in which, you know, the way we've we've designed the process we work on together, the due diligence program we work on together, as CRE being the kind of first filter mechanism, if you like. So imagine, you know, imagine um, a huge shoal of fish as your supply base, and essentially, you know, you you herd this huge shoal into this net where only certain fish pass through. The kind of first net being Ciari. Um, and unlike the kind of crude national level risk analytics kind of uh, data that companies are used to drawing on, Ciari can investigate specific businesses and therefore the fish that you know that 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 then swim through are genuinely fish that you then need in the next in the next kind of 
um, the next exercise of fil filtering. And that next exercise of filtering in, in the way we work together is, is unwider, you know, identified certain businesses that as higher risk on the basis of, of, you know, appearing in watch lists or by virtue of relational entity also being on a watch list or, or having a location that's, you know, that seems um, more risky. That, um, and why it is then commissioned by clients to take the kind of shorter list of suppliers and engage um, in, in, in pushing worker surveys to that site and gathering data directly from that site. And then the third stage, if our system, you know, then produces, of course, insight both for the employer as well as the buyer, but in the buyer's results, if the buyer finds um, anything of, of concern, there's also the, the, the possibility of pushing it into a third level of due diligence, which, which would then require an on-site visit. But all of this, you know, suppliers across the board are going to get used to all of the above. None of it is a witch hunt. We, because of these laws and because of the measures with withhold release orders in the, in the US, it's, it's going to become business, you know, usual business practice. So suppliers will get used to kind of making their way through this, these gates um, and 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 fortunately, you know, Sayari, like and wider, don't require, don't don't place any burden on the on the you know supplying business as such. There's nothing. Unlike other um, assessment processes where the supplier is really pulled off their game and has to dedicate a week or two to preparing self-assessment data, you know, these processes need to be kept light because because they'll be so prevalent and, and need to be scalable. But that's that's all I wanted to say, is that you know we, we usually think of due diligence as a kind of negative witch hunt, but actually it's going to be you know a, a, a healthy responsible process in a normal landscape, and it's just a case of prioritizing. That's all it is, and and, and an opportunity for suppliers to demonstrate that they're not you know that you know yes even if they're caught in that first gate and and demarcated as by virtue of relational entity perhaps as a high risk setting perhaps the worker survey demonstrates that you know this business is is handling working conditions and worker well-being extremely well and that you know we shouldn't be declaring that 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 particular site or supplier you know worthy of any further attention you know they're doing great or perhaps they something's been identified and 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 the supplier has an opportunity to improve it but but you know we must take the pressure off and stop kind of approaching this whole thing due diligence as some kind of negative policing system when in fact it's just about healthy, responsible business. That's a great way to describe it. Um, I I love that you mentioned, you know, not putting the burden on the suppliers, and it's one of the it's it's the more positive side. The real added value of of using a public data source is that you don't need to go to the supplier to get the to get the information at least for that first level check, right? Sort of an initial risk assessment, which is beneficial when you have suppliers who really are doing their best to ensure safe working conditions and our suppliers that you want to continue to work with, you're not putting an undue burden on them regularly, you know? Um, and if you are dealing with a supplier who perhaps may be a problem for you, it can be helpful not to be relying only on the information, obviously, that they're providing you about themselves and to have sort of an external source of data that is reliable about um, what their relationships look like or where they are doing business um, or any of those other high-risk indicators that can come out in this type of data. Beautiful. And, and one more point, you know, about the benefit for suppliers is that what I love about what the kind of impact Sayari have on our landscape is that um, 
unlike with the kind of broad breaststroke risk analytics where, you know, if you happen to, God forbid, have landed um, yourself in a particular geography that's regarded as high risk, you know, broad breaststroke risk analytics would, you know, would immediately classify you as higher risk. Um, Sayori tosses that out and says, you know, actually, yes, sure, this might be a Myanmar business, but that doesn't mean that, you know, the, the, the risk practices apply. Let's look specifically at this business entity. So I think that, again, is a tick in the box for suppliers to say, don't worry, you know, we, we're now evolving beyond that, that, that point where, if, you know, you were just a case in a category and you, whatever you did didn't matter. Now, actually, how your business is conducted and which which entities your business is related to do matter in this kind of risk, you know, in this kind of due diligence exercise. You won't be kind of, you won't be simply tarnished um, by virtue of, of, you know, geography. Of course, as an institution, you want to make sure that you are only dealing with responsible suppliers. You don't want to be doing business with the wrong suppliers, but you do want to be doing business with the right suppliers. And so it's it's the positive side of due diligence. It's where looking more carefully and having that really detailed context, particularly say in a place like Myanmar, you know, it's a place that would be traditionally kind of written off or considered high risk across the board. You can actually open up opportunities for your business, and and everybody wins in that way. It's um, it's one of the great benefits of being able to look. Uh, a little bit more closely at at who you are or would potentially be doing business with. And Jess, it's not it's not coincidental that you know, poverty levels and and exclusionary practices in 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 environments where you know the the kind of national landscape um, can be risky when it when it comes to human rights and, and forced labour that are you know really setting a different standard and, and practicing things differently and it allows them to 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 be rewarded for such basically which I think is and also allows allows business to happen in settings which are usually excluded you know because of these very you know very rudimentary binaries brilliant but enough said sorry true yeah it's there's there's such a strong financial and commercial inclusion argument for corporate transparency and that's that's something that we we really want to facilitate excellent no, thank you, um, Jess. Thank you so much for, for detailing um, yeah, how your system can really complement um, other tools or data channels in the space um, and really how, it, how it's helpful for suppliers. And Lee, you also illustrated the kind of risk management funnel, um, highlighting how, yeah, this, this doesn't have to be a scary exercise, you know, due diligence, uh, but it really is about creating clarity um, in global supply sites around the world um, by creating this sort of triangulation, so to speak. Uh, for responsible sourcing professionals with, you know, social audits, supplier profiles, data channels like ours, um, and expertly analyzed public data. Um, Jess, I, I just have to say thank you um, for your time and for sharing. I'm not sure if there's any last words um, from the both of you. I don't think so. I thank you for having me. It's it's always such a pleasure to, to speak with other people who think carefully about this and are, are really looking to provide practical solutions that are you know, concerned with these responsible sourcing and, and other issues. You know, for us, this is a, a very important workflow and an important client base for us because there obviously there are so many applications, but there are others. It's one of the beauties of public data like this is a lot of people need visibility into, um, into uh, difficult to access parts of the world. And so it's, it's very exciting to be able to help with that. Thank you. And Jess, we, we look forward to working more and more closely with CRE Graph and, and with your team. Um, I'm very excited by the contribution you're making. 
that's it from us today. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to follow us on our social media platforms to keep up to date with all things and wider and look out for our next installment. Goodbye.